Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Midweek Howl, the non-paranormal version of the uh, From the Shadows podcast. I'm so sick, I almost forgot what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? I, I almost fumbled the intro right there. Um, but uh, here we are, another week. Um, uh, we almost, we should have pressed record about three minutes ago. Yeah, we should have. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens is the genie gets out of the bottle, you can't put it back in the lightning when the lightning gets out. When the lightning gets out. Well, well, the the first the first story we were talking about is this this article you sent me. Two California brothers plead guilty to defrauding the USPS out of two point three million by saying their twenty two thousand three hundred parcels weren't delivered, as they claimed a hundred dollars in insurance money each time. And, and that's we, because of like on priority or something, the hundred dollars. So, so I believe, included, yeah. I don't, so you, I don't believe you pay extra for right. the insurance. They give you a hundred dollars of insurance. So these guys set up uh, 15 or 20. So fake or different PO boxes between two post offices. And, and over the course of what we figure it was two and a half years, Sent sent twenty some packages a day. A day, yeah. Well, they had to make twenty some claims a day. Twenty five point six claims or whatever I added up. Yeah, it's twenty five point. They had so not only did they have to continually send these packages, then they had to go file these claims. And many of these claims, they had to then follow up with fake receipts, fake pictures of merchandise that was never in the boxes that never existed. And it just it just kept going and going and going. It was it was like that thing. Um, you know, isn't there a story where the guy took, uh, you know, if he took a quarter out of the drawer every night, no one would ever miss it. But over the course of 30 years, it would be, you know, however many thousands, of, tens of thousands of dollars, something like that, where, you know, the accountants skimming off the top. If they just yeah, take, I mean, I, I take a little know, bit every day. Nobody notices years ago. Now, this is back 20 years ago, 20 two, three, four years ago. Let me get my years right, right? There was, I, I knew a guy that sold these credit card processors, right? For Oh, yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about. I, I absolutely do know what you're talking about, okay. yes. So me and him got to talking about something. He he mentioned having Secret Service guys in, in his office. And I said, do what? And he said, well, these Secret Service guys come in there. And I don't remember what the scam was, right? 
but it, basically they would somehow run a fraudulent charge. They had these lists of fraudulent credit card numbers, and they would run these with their terminal. They would run all these charges, and I don't remember what how much it was, right? It, it, they weren't very much. Essentially, when this guy, they went to his office because there was one charge that broke 150. So, something got on the radar. And they went to this dude, and they're cops, so they don't know shit about credit card processing. And he's trying to explain to them how they get away with doing this. And maybe they marked it as pending and then wiped it out. But the bottom line is there was an outfit that had stolen less than $10. I guess they have the software that is embedded that knows how much you spend, your spending habits. Remember when that first came into play? Yeah. So they had all these high-value credit card numbers where people's average charge was like 75 bucks or more, 100 bucks or more, whatever it was at the time. And they were they were doing charges like three, four, five dollars. So they it would never so it never so people wouldn't even you. they don't even look. They don't even look. They don't even look. And these Secret Service guys tell him as he shows them on this thing how it's doing, they dude, it's not even worth it. But then they expanded to the macro and they're doing it to a hundred thousand people a day. Getting five dollars. Uh, getting a couple bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Get, and maybe it was less than a dollar. I don't remember what it was, but it was it was it was non-existent. You know, what I mean, he didn't he, they didn't even care about it until he had to show them where that terminal was doing. You know, a couple hundred thousand of them a day, which means they were getting four or five hundred thousand dollars a day, and had been doing it for several years. And then when somebody in their merchant code, when somebody disputed it, they would go ahead and refund that guy the money because he's the one guy that looked at his card. Yeah, that was like, what's this five dollars for? I didn't. Right, you dispute it, and they'd say, "Oh, you're right." <laughs> wow, that's a great that's a great business model. No overhead, very little it's overhead. Like, it's kind of like the U.S. taxpayer getting their taxes raised here a little bit at a time, right? Yeah, sorta, sorta. Yeah, raising the, raising the price of anything uh, a penny uh, a penny a week, right? You know, it doesn't yeah, seem like yeah. much. Doesn't seem like much, but then the next thing you know, you're paying. Nine dollars for a Big Mac, right? That's why I don't eat Big Macs anymore. <laughs> we we got in the discussion at dinner the other night of how the prices of things have gone up here in the last couple of years, okay, and that us older generation really recognize how much you know. We remember the time where you could go into McDonald's and buy a coffee for thirty five cents. Now it's two dollars and thirty five cents. Sure. But this, but the generation now, these younger kids, well, they're already starting at two dollars and thirty-five cents. Mm-hmm. So when are they going to feel it? Like, at what point is it going to have to get seven, six, seven, eight dollars before they're like, "Oh man, I remember when coffee was two dollars and thirty-five cents." You know, it's going to be a bigger leap. They're going to be able to get away with this this younger generation because they're already accustomed to paying ridiculously high prices for everything. At least that's what that's what the conclusion we came to. Now nobody sitting at the table was a professor in economics. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people damaged in these guys' packages, so they're able to make a hundred dollar claim. You know what I'm saying? What do I know about about uh, about the economy? But I could see. I can't believe they could do that. Those guys with two different, just two different post offices, because at some point. You know, you would, I mean, even the as dysfunctional as we are at the post office, you'd say, hey, wait a second, that guy. they Comes in here every day. Well, we have people that mail more than that every day that are just like eBay people. You wouldn't believe it. They'll, 
you know, 50 packages a day or some of them are even more than that. And, um, but I would think at some point you would get a report that would say, Hey, look, these guys are out of your, you know, even if you had 15 different post office boxes, that's, that's still one a day for that post office box. Each, each one of those post office box sure. file claim, you know, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. You'd have to be able to see that sooner than later. I don't, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is I'm just looking forward to going back to work tomorrow after having President's Day off. You know? <laughs> well, are you going to go to the doctor and get this sickness taken care of? You know, we've already lost one member of the show, right? Hey, look. I So if you if you die, I will probably never do this podcast again. I'm just telling you right now. So. Boy. That's a lot of pressure. Now you know what you just you know what you just laid on me is now some of these super fans are going to be like, look, dude, we don't you're okay. We don't really we don't really care about you, but we care about the holler. So you're gonna have to take care of yourself so we can so we can keep listening to the holler. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do something. I got I thought I was over being sick, and then I and then it came right back and. It was it was pretty bad the last couple couple days. The worst part is is I can't get any sleep, you know. And I'm up at two in the morning, up at four in the morning, and just um, yeah, it's not much fun. But uh, no, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it till see how tomorrow tonight is, and then I may just go straight from the working tomorrow right to the doctor's office. So, well, my but, wife tested uh, positive for a. Uh, influence A and B last week. Really? Well, Christy had one of those influences B, I think, and a couple weeks ago. So, so what did what did they what did they, no, give, they her? give her something? I don't know what it's called. It just takes care of it right away, huh? I don't know about right away. She sat around for another five days, but she's see. That's the thing is, I'm just naturally. I you know five days seems like as. About how long it should take to run its course, uh-huh. you know? And I hate unless taking it, I just told you, unless, you know, I told you I knew a dude that worked at the Omaha PD back in probably 2010 or 11, and he's 36, and he just kept going to work, kept going to work, and he finally got so sick they admitted him, and he died. So, of course, maybe if he had kept going to work instead of going to the hospital, maybe he'd still be here. I don't know. If you just work through it, I, I don't know. I yeah, don't know. You, when you go to the hospital, you're taking your life in your own hands, you know? You, you seemingly are, you seemingly are now speaking of taking your life into your own hands. How about that segue? I'm not going to talk about the chief's parade. I wasn't there. The chief's parade. Oh gosh. That's anyway, go ahead. That that was all I was going to say. I know that's that's terrible, but you know, we're always sending stuff back and forth to each other. Not, you know, uh, and you had sent me something on the trapper, Albert Johnson. Yeah. We had, that we had talked about. Did you watch the movie? I did not watch the movie yet. Um, I was afraid in, at two o'clock in the morning, one of these nights when I was up, if I watched that, I might, uh, um, it might send me spiraling out of control in my weakened, you know, state of senses. Uh, so I, but I found a guy, I came across this guy and it struck me because of where he lived and I not having any idea how close you were. But the gentleman, Ken McElroy, uh-huh. um, 
an American criminal and convicted attempted murderer who resided in Skidmore, Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, known as the town bully. And his, uh, he, he, he ended up getting killed, and his killing was unsolved. Um, but you seem to know a little bit about this, about this guy. And uh, when, when did he die? 1980, 1980. I think. 1980. And um, in reading his story, he was up for what attempted murder of a guy. And when he got cleared of it, he uh, eighty one July tenth, nineteen eighty one. Okay, July tenth. All right, and uh, he attempted, you know, was brought up on a statutory rape and attempted murder charge. Well, he gets cleared of it, and then goes out and immediately starts harassing the guy mm-hmm. that we <laughs> that he got cleared of trying to kill. Uh huh. Yeah, because I'm reading, he appeared in a local bar, the D&G Tavern, armed with an M1 Grand Rifle and a bayonet, that, and threatened the guy that had had him arrested for some other stuff, right? Yeah. He threatened the guy he had already shot once. <laughs> yeah. He well, was convicted of shooting this guy, and then when he gets out or gets free, or he was free on appeal, he goes to confront the dude, this old man. This, he shot a 70-year-old dude, okay, yeah, that owned the grocery store. So, I mean... There's about three strikes against you already. You're shooting a dude that's freaking 70 years old. Come on, dude. And he owns, he runs, the, he, he's the local town grocer. So, I mean, dude, that's, remember back before all these recent riots and shit, uh, uh, towns protected their groceries because they didn't want to drive in 20 miles to town to get, to, you know what I mean? So yeah. Oh, yeah. everybody's going to hate you because you're shooting a freaking grocery guy. You know, you think I want to drive to St. Joe or Maryville to go grocery shopping? So yeah. the next day he got shot in his pickup as he sat out inside the bar. And uh, it's in between 30 and 46 witnesses. It's in, in, in broad daylight is the book. I read the book. Uh, it was kind of entertaining. I, there's some things I, I just don't understand how he got away with it so long, I guess is my thought process. We were just a kinder, gentler time maybe. Cause there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a chapter in the book where he supposedly pulled a gun on a Missouri state trooper and threatened him and, and, and said all this stuff. And I just, everybody I worked with would have killed him. If not right then, as soon as they got away, they would found him and killed him. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. In the eighties, I can't imagine the, the police people being so weak. Cause it, when you read the book, it talks about the sheriff scared of him and this guy's scared of him and that guy's scared of him. Come on. Yeah. It's one of those stories that you, if you'd have watched it in a movie, you'd be like, there's no way this happened. But the rumor is, I, you know, I, I think the book goes down and, and it, there was between 30 and 46 witnesses. They killed him and left him laying in front of the bar. They didn't even call the cops. Um, <laughs> wow. The two people that supposedly hit him, one of them had a, either a 30-30 or a 30 carbine and the other one i don't remember some kind of 22 i think there were four or five shooters but only two of them really killed him the rest of them just shot the truck up and the the i think it was the book i read where they took they went to a farm and and you know up here it's big farm country kind of like you're where you're at you know big i mean now the farms are even gigantic you know i got a buddy of mine's extended family probably farms ten thousand acres up there um and the book says they they somebody's grandpa, one of the shooter's dads or grandpas took the rifles, had already found out, you know, it, word of mouth got around or whatever. And he took the rifles and he, he, they took them out of stocks, burnt the wood stocks 
cut the barrels with a torch in a machine shed lengthwise. So not in circles, but lengthwise, you know what I mean? And then yeah. cut them in circles and then took all the barrel pieces and dumped them in a well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow. So they... But there's all these home places. I don't know how it's where you're at, but, you know, as these old farms have... Home places have have become dilapidated over the last seventy five years. You know, somebody buys all the farm ground and tears the house down. You know what I'm talking about? How that works? <laughs> and but there's so so there's like hundreds of wells that could went down. <coughs> but the same sheriff and and the cops that he supposedly threatened the ones that investigated it, and they say we can't tell who did it. <laughs> well, I mean, you saw that coming from a mile away, didn't you? Maybe I, mean, I no, I didn't because back in my days the cops could kill their own people. <laughs> Nowadays I don't know. Oh, you're you're saying the cops should have been the one that killed him, not the not the. Yes, I mean if he, I mean he pulled. Would you read the book? He pulled a shotgun on a deputy that caught him stealing. Oh, dude, and he's a low rent freaking thief. Of course, this was back in the old days. Like he had an old station wagon, he'd pull up and steal goats or calves out of somebody. You know, cut a fence and steal a couple of calves in an old car. <laughs> I mean, dude, have some personal pride. Putting a couple of stinking-ass pigs or some sheep. And I mean, first of all, what's a pig worth today? Nothing. What would have been worth in 1979 or whatever? It had been worth $3? Well, maybe he didn't see it as stealing then if it was only worth 3 bucks, you know? You I mean, know, but... Come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> stealing a goat. That's yeah, fantastic. I mean, it was all this live. Most of it was livestock, and it was never, you know, like nowadays, North of, you know, it wasn't the prize. It wasn't the yes. prize cat. Uh, well, they go around here some places and and they cut the fence and they'll take a whole stock trailer, fifteen, eighteen head of cows. Well, that's money that there. You know what that's I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's money. But cutting a fence to steal a sheep or two pigs, <laughs> uh, a couple chickens. You know, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's oh god. But the but the best part of us talking about this was the revelation you hit on that I believe you're 100% right that Brian Dennehy played him in the movie in a TV right? show. Yeah, or yeah, made for TV movie. Uh-huh. And I think I think you are today's Brian Dennehy. I said that exactly. Yes, I think I could. And I got to, you know, his breakout role was the sheriff in Rambo. I could play that totally. And then, of course, you said Tommy Boy, and I said, yeah, I could play Degenerate's dad real easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. We don't, we don't want people to think that, you know, that you have experience playing a Degenerate's father because your kids are great, upstanding kids. So far, but they could run off the road any day. <laughs> you know, I always heard raising kids is like rolling dice. <laughs> you've raised a bunch. You've raised got more older kids than me. Oh, gosh. Have I? Have I really raised them? I don't know. I don't know what goes on in your world out there. You get east of the Mississippi and shit's just messed up. 
I, I look, I will not, uh, I will not deny that for sure. For sure. I will not deny that. But I did, I can't, I could see you, I could see you being a, a Brian Dennehy because right. Was it Brian Dennehy and Hardcastle McCormick? Yeah. was the judge. Yeah. Right? Oh, I could totally play a judge. Couldn't I? Oh, absolutely. 100%. If I ever got to play judge, you know, when I was young officer, the judge over in Calway County, he had a, he had a patch on his eye. Like a pirate? Like he would look yeah, like a pirate. Yeah, and I think he lost it in like Korea. You know what I mean? I, like yeah. There was a story of that's back when, you know, like badasses ran the the government, you know, state and local governments everywhere. You know what I mean? Because there were just so many veterans. Yeah, and and I'm not trying to Google him up. Yeah, and he had a patch on his eye like a pirate. Uh-huh. And he would say profound things from the bench. Like they would say something. I don't know. And I just remember one day he said something. He says... Memory and the truth are seldom twins. Ooh. And uh, just shit like that. He had two or three of them that he would say to these people, and, and they always stuck with me, you know? Memory and the truth are seldom twins. That's 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 a good one. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. And it probably meant, you know, it's probably a little more meaningful coming from a guy with one eye. Yeah, judging you. And I think what it was is because because – Sometimes, back in the old days, you had to go to court for a lot of stuff. It ain't like nowadays where they fix tickets and fix, you know, the, the you know, there's just a lot of legal mumbo jumbo. Now, where back in the old days, you had to go to court and basically tell your side and be judged. You know what I mean? And some of those guys would have to try to make up some bullshit story that they weren't doing what they were doing, or it didn't. It didn't. I know what it so, looked like, but I, you know what I mean. And he'd pull out the old memory and he of the would truth. Pull out or... these, yes, he would pull out little, <laughs> little, you know, he would pull out little schisms. And and I had not him, but I had another judge, uh, uh, old judge, old World War II guy uh, in Cole County. And, and it was a moment to call a motion to suppress my stop. So back in the old days when they cared about marijuana, I stopped this dude and he had a couple pounds of weed on him. And he was mint, he was, he had a, a pre-trial motion basically saying I pulled him, I, I, I profiled him and I didn't have a reasonable reason to stop him. So if he can get the stop thrown out, he can get the, the subsequent criminal activity after the stop thrown out. Does that make sense? Oh it's yeah. Like poisonous yep. tree kind of deal. And, and I don't remember what his lawyer was running some shit around circles and stuff. And, and we had the evidence, I had the evidence there. And he said, may I see that? And I had signed the evidence out and the prosecutor took it and brought it up to the, to the bench. So he's sitting in the bench with two pounds of weed and the guy had it in two packaged up in two. I don't know if you've ever seen marijuana bricked up. They run through a food uh, compactor or garbage compactor and they compact it up. You know what I'm talking about? I, so, I mean, I can, I can. So when they break it up a lot of times, it looks like little miniature alfalfa bales. You know how you break an alfalfa bale? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was you. so big. Hey, he was riding a Harley Davidson. He had a pound in one pocket and a pound in the other pocket. Cut off jean shorts and combat boots. And oh, uh, he was a biker. And okay. uh, anyhow, he had wrapped a pound of weed in in uh, a rental, uh, aluminum foil, you know, two pounds. So the judge is there with a two pounds of weed, one in each hand. And this lawyer, his, just goes on this gigantic tirade. Of all the, the shit, basically, that that 
you did wrong. Yes, that that how can they trust me? It's my word against their client's word, and 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 out of all the cars, pull, you know, to stop, he stopped my client because he looks like a motorcycle rider, and you know, and on and on and on and on. And the judge just, I just remember him taking those two things and and lifting one, you know, doing his hands, bobbling back and forth, like the scales of justice, you know, like which one weighs yeah. more kind of deal. And yeah. he looked over and he said, do you want to talk about how your, your client got two pounds of marijuana in his blue jeans? And the dude says, no, your honor, we just want to stick to that. And the judge said, <laughs> I guess you do. Well, and he hits the gavel down and he said, I'm holding it over for trial and you can tell your side at the trial. Or you can tell me story to trial or something. That was the day I know I've told you about the 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 it was the day that the, the poor inmate was getting sued by the state for his, his money from the shoe shop and all that shit. The money he made while he was working in the shoe yeah, shop. Yeah, he got like he started like a dime a day. Dude did like 38 years in the penitentiary. He started at working for like a dime a day. And by the time he got out, 38 years later, he was making a dollar and a quarter a day, and he amassed like three thousand bucks. I know I've told that story, haven't I? I think so. Where the where the the judge the, tells him give his give the man his money. The, the lawyers that the state yeah, how yeah wasted money. He was <laughs> a waste of the state's money, and he said he's sending three lawyers to go against an inmate that's pro se uh, is a waste of money. Same judge. Oh my god. I don't god. even know if they have those kind of judges anymore. I don't know. I does, but I don't know. Well, I don't Where are we know. What do you want to talk about today? I forgot. I don't even know. We were just I'm just after he after you talking to me about dying from the flu, I'm just glad to be here talking to you. It could yeah. happen. You know, there's some kids that my, my kids go to school with got killed in a car wreck this weekend. And yeah, and I just told my son, I told him both up there, you gotta get right with the Lord because you don't know when he's gonna come calling. And yeah, I was uh we we went uh, we took Izzy. Um we went up to Christie's alma mater, Baldwin Wallace, where she played basketball, and we're up there uh showing Izzy around the campus and uh, a girl that played uh basketball for me was playing for the other team, Marietta. And you know, we're up there and I, I know the coach at Baldwin Wallace. She's from our high school. She's she is her brother and I played ba- high school basketball together, but she is number 56 or 57 all time women's college basketball victories as for a coach. Okay. Of all. So she's on the list there with Gino Ariema from uh-huh. Connecticut. You know, she's uh-huh. she's she's been there a long time. She was Christie's coach and stuff. And so we're there enjoying, you know, I mean, I was sick, but I'm enjoying the game and I get this infecting everybody. I understand. I was trying not to. I was I was steering clear of everybody. But um I get this text that from another guy I coached with that uh, the dad of a of a girl that we all used to coach on Friday night at the uh, his son's game, high school game, walked outside, never Probably walked did. back in, never walked back in. He he uh they found him face down in the snow. Had a you know I'm su- assuming he probably walked outside because it was hot. He was hot in his gym or whatever. And I mean, what a and this guy. I hope they were playing good. It wasn't because they were playing so shitty, was it? I don't. I don't think so. But he ended up, you know, dying of heart attack. He's about three weeks younger than me, and this guy was a workout huge. guy. Well, he wasn't a workout guy, but he's a guy who you looked at him and he said at some point in time he had to play right tackle. 
somewhere. You know, he was he was about six three, probably good through you know over three hundred pounds, barrel chest. He owned a tire shop in Marion, okay, or in uh, the town south of us. And he was he was the kind of guy you look like if you took went in to get the tires that he just came out with one tire under his arm, got down on a knee, picked the car up, took the tire off. And right. that's how big a guy he was. And um, just a super nice guy. And like I said, they, you know, even though he was big, when you're that big, you know, maybe you expect uh, the possibilities of a heart attack. Yeah, or, I'm worried about it right now. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, before we get before we got on here, Christy had me taking some of our back porch furniture were thrown out uh-huh. and taking it over to the farm and, and thrown to the dumpster. And I haven't done anything for like a week because I'm sick. I, th- I thought, my God, I'm going to have a heart attack lifting some laundry. Maybe that's what she's trying to do now. She's married and got you insured. Boom. Oh, boy. Is it? Well, thank God we don't have an old uh, uh, eye patch wearing judge in the county that uh, yeah. figure figure out what she's up to. Well, you know, I don't know if the judges even care anymore, do they? No, I don't know. All I know is our judge. Yeah, that's what I will. I, I, I almost said something and I didn't, you know, he, by saying may it could be an inside job. You know what I mean? The judge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our our judge is putting her is putting her up. And say, hey, look, give me ten percent. Yeah, gonna, well, I was thinking sixty forty or fifty fifty or something. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking. But this will be their version of the guys ripping off the post office. Maybe, yeah. Well, two point three million is a lot better than whatever postal thing you're gonna get. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I don't know. You know, I watched. That. Have you seen the Oppenheimer movie? I have not watched it yet, dude. There's a part in the very beginning where he's gonna he's in a lab scenario at like Princeton or Cambridge, one of these, and the the dude that's teaching the class is kind of ragging on him about something, and they take a break. I, I guess you know some of these people like Oppenheimer, they're so smart. They really, they're, it's hard for people to understand the track their mind's going down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because these absolutely. dudes were doing crazy theoretical physics and shit, right? Yeah. And this 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 teacher essentially belittles him and then has the whole class break and tells Oppenheimer that he's got to stick back and redo something. And he walks, there's an apple on the dude's desk. Now, you got to think this is the 20s or 30s, right? He walks over and gets a, opens a cabinet up, takes out a damn bottle of uh potassium cyanide walks over and spikes a fucking apple on the teacher yes and then the next but in the middle of the night he woke up he, he basically starts it the next morning running back in there to get the apple right before this other guy a visiting professor uh was about to take a bite of it and he grabbed it out of his hand and said that's got a wormhole in it but yeah he was oh oppenheimer you know Killing 300,000 Japs was nothing. He's starting to kill college professor too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. Ha 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 ha.